Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their fantastic hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams, who listen to episode 132. So last night, my wife grabbed a bow and I grabbed a bow, and we snuck through the, the weeds, and we knew that the deer were probably going to bust us. We knew that at any second they could turn and see us, um, but we got it closer and closer and closer, and we got right up against uh, this wooden structure called my kid's playhouse, and we peeked through the crack in the playhouse, and sure enough, the deer in my backyard had busted us, but still, I drew back uh, the little pink recurve bow that I had in my hand, and I let an arrow fly as this deer took off running. Of course, it was just a little tiny fake arrow, so... My wife and I went on a little deer hunt last night. That's how bored we are, and that's how much we want to get out of the house sometimes whenever we've got five kids uh, <laughs> running around us. <laughs> that literally happened last night. I couldn't believe my wife actually wanted to do it, but I was like, hey, I want to go chase one of those deer in the backyard with one of the kids' bows. <laughs> so we grabbed two recurves, and we tried to make a play on them. And uh, let's just say I missed, even if I would have hit one, you know, that, that would have been a miracle in of itself. But we had fun anyway. I don't know how you're passing the time, but deer season's coming. I'm getting excited for that. And uh, we've already talked about that a good bit on this show. And I talk about it a good bit with my guests today. And it is a fantastic interview today. I really had a great time talking with Brody Carpenter. Brody is from West West Virginia. And we talk about kind of his transition back to where he grew up from, from New York. He lived in New York for a time. And we talk about the differences between the hunting the two different states. And Brody has a lot of awesome stories. A story about getting chased by a bear, stories about some uh, just great hunts with his friends and relatives, and uh, this is just a great conversation, and I think that you guys are really going to enjoy it. So we're not going to spend any more time chatting, we're going to jump right in. Here is Brody Carpenter. All right, guys, joining me on the line is Brody Carpenter. Brody, how's it going, man? Good, man. Travis, thanks for having me today. I'm excited to do this with you. Yeah, me too. I appreciate the email and just kind of reaching out and kind of feel like I already have started to get to know you a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I was excited to reach out to you. Uh, it's not something I normally do. So I felt a little awkward uh, sending that email to you, but I've just appreciated this podcast a lot and what you're doing. I, I love hunting. Uh, it's just probably one of my biggest passions. It certainly is. Uh, but the way you've intertwined faith with it, I was like, I've got to email this guy. Uh, oh. So just a fan of what you guys are doing here. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I uh, So Brody has this has the has the flip switched for you? Like you're in West Virginia, right? Yeah. Has that has that like excitement, or is it always there? Like for deer hunting, like for me, it's like all I think about. I'm trying to control it right now because I'm getting so hyped, and I've still got like 22 days left. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Same deal. Uh, 365. I'm ready to go, <laughs> and I'm trying to contain myself mostly for the sake of my family and my wife. Yeah. Um, but this morning we had this kind of cold front move in. So yeah. last night dropped oh. down to 45 and, uh, the excitement level is high right now. The anticipation is high. I'm ready to go. Uh, yeah, we have about the uh, same about three weeks now till the yep. opening of bow season. So I think you guys might come in just a little bit before us, right? I think we're on the 25th. Yep. Just right before you guys. Yep. Yep. So that's awesome. <laughs> man. Well, I was born, I wasn't raised, but I was born in West Virginia, so we kind of have a connection there. But go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourselves for the, the listeners and, and kind of give us a little background on Brody Carpenter. Yeah, as you mentioned before, uh, I was born in West Virginia, raised uh, in West Virginia. Uh, went off to college, but didn't go too far. I stayed in the state. 
Uh, and then uh, as a senior in college, uh, I got involved in this ministry at my campus, and that was really a pivot point for my life. And uh, through that, I, I came to know Jesus, but I also met my wife through that. And uh, so we both, uh, she was from New York, so we have lived up there for the last three years. Uh, and then this summer, we just moved back uh, to the, the town I'm actually was born in. So that's cool. So back home. How's, how's your wife doing with the uh, moving from New York to West Virginia? Nothing. I'm not here. I'm not saying anything bad about West Virginia. <laughs> I love West Virginia, but I know West Virginia is a little bit different than New York, I would think. Oh, yeah. She's she's trying to learn the language uh, <laughs> right now. <laughs> you know? uh, so when I when I moved up there, I had a bit of a learning curve. I, you know, I, I took my share of jokes uh, mm-hmm. in Razzes. Uh, so she's she's experiencing that now. Uh, now she's the c- city girl, right? City girl. Yeah. Yeah. So she's experiencing that uh, a little bit right now. But uh, to be honest, I'm real blessed. She had had in her heart for a long time that we were coming back here. Uh, oh, wow. So she's enjoyed moving back here. We just had a little boy in February. It's our first son. So she's been staying home with him, uh, just enjoying kind of the slowdown pace. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm good. That's, that's cool. I'm glad things are going well on that. Cause that, anytime you move, I, I had my wife, I moved her from her home down to uh, about an hour South. And then a few years later, moved her two hours South and she's just kind of came along with me and been a part of it. And um, she's got one of those jobs where she can pretty much work anywhere, but for me, it's not the same. And so I uh, just appreciate whenever they make that sacrifice. That's, that's yeah. huge. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So, um, well, I'll just start off asking you, you I know that you chase whitetails and things like that. Have you had any uh, trail cams? What, what are you doing right now? Just kind of get ready. Yeah. Uh, I've been running trail cams, <laughs> I think since the end of May, basically <laughs> I got them up early this year. I was excited to be back on some ground. I, I grew up hunting. Um, so I've been running them for uh, quite a while. I'm actually hoping later this evening, uh, my in-laws came in and my father-in-law is a hunter. So I'm kind of looking forward to taking him out to the property. I've been trying to talk them into coming down to deer camp with us and, and doing yeah. some hunting with us. So uh, we're going to go check them this evening. Uh, as I mentioned, I lived in New York, so uh, I kind of came from West Virginia, which uh, baiting's legal. So I relied a lot on that baiting to, to draw deer in to see what I have on the property. In New yeah. York, I learned to, to set up on trails a little bit and in between bedding and, and food. And so this year, I kind of did a mix. I still put my mineral blocks out and set cameras on them, but I, I went to some places where I knew some bedding was, and uh, and it's been a, probably the most fruitful trail camera uh, season I've had so far. Now, uh, I'm aware the ranges are probably getting ready to change here, uh, so I was just starting uh, I wish to that didn't it. happen. Those, those jokers to the southwest of us in Kentucky about make you sick, right? Like, they... Yeah. They can actually hunt some of the deer that's on the trail camera. <laughs> yeah, the velvet bucks would be really cool if I could hunt those. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's been really cool. Uh, last year, I ran a lot of them down here as well, uh, but I didn't get to check them as much. So uh, this year, being able to check them more, and then uh, last year, kind of for the first year, my my brother, my dad, and I kind of said we're going to let some smaller ones walk. And so Ooh. this year, <laughs> I think the Lord, some of them came back uh, I was excited for them to see uh, what yeah. a year of growth can do to some deer so we got some good ones for West Virginia uh, down here uh, so yeah I'm excited to get in the tree stand and get back at it oh yeah same here man it's just exciting I, I love um, I like there's nothing like going out into the woods and then doing a card pool and that kind of thing I'm grateful now I'm just doing the cell cams and that's that's uh, it's it's kind of like the same thing it's just a mini version of that like so every day at 8 a.m and 8 p.m 
my phone starts lighting up if I've got any any pictures. And my wife knows because my phone will start dinging and it'll ding, 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 ding. And I'm like, oh, tonight's a good night. We got seven <laughs> pictures coming in, you know. And so that's a little bit of excitement there. But yeah, that's, uh, that's cool. Awesome. So West Virginia, where you're at, are you getting any pictures of like bears or anything else on your cameras? Yeah, uh, the, the black bear population around here, it's really has been coming back strong. Uh, in fact, a few years ago, I was out uh, checking a trail camera uh, with a good friend of mine, uh, a good hunting buddy I've had for years. And we had hung a setup down for him in the woods. And it was kind of getting that time of day where it's getting a little dark out, especially if you're down in the woods. And uh, we decided to, to go check some trail cameras before we had left. And so me, him and his daughter, who was seven at the time, uh, we're, we're marching through the in the woods kind of in in order and you know we get to the trail camera and I had brought my backpack and a laptop and I was flipping through the photos and me and my, my hunting bunny we were zoned in uh to the laptop and, oh, yeah. and we heard a stick break and uh, I, I thought we had just jumped a deer and his daughter says what's that over there and uh we really didn't pay attention the first time which shame on us uh and uh, so we're, we're still looking at the pictures and then it really starts cracking and we look up and uh, here's a bear plowing through the woods uh, coming, <laughs> coming right at us. And I've talked to a few people and, you know, and I've had a couple encounters with bears in the past and they normally run off. It's not a big deal. Right. Um, and so some people were saying, you know, maybe it was a bluff charge, but uh, I, I wasn't going to stick around to find out. So I grabbed his <laughs> yeah. daughter real quick picked her up, put her on my shoulder and just took off down the hill through the woods. And I'm, I'm trying not to trip. And I know that my, my buddy, his name's Ronnie. He had brought uh, his pistol with him that day. So I knew he had a gun. Um, and I had saw him reaching for it when I had taken off out of there. And so thankfully he fired a few warning shots at it. Uh, but it, it got within about 20 feet of him oh, man. Uh, before he had it veer off and it took off down through the woods. And, uh, it was quite a story and his, his daughter, I thought would be petrified and bless her heart. She's been on some adventures with us in the past. And I thought, Oh gosh, this is going to just mortify. We're going to check trail cameras again. <laughs> yeah. She'll never do it again. And, and we're walking back up out of the woods kind of shocked about, you know, what's just happened. And she's just laughing and, and she's just saying, do you remember when that bear was running towards daddy? <laughs> Don't so, tell mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we said. Yeah, you can't tell your mom the story. And uh, so, yeah, we made it out safely. The The neighbor on the bordering property actually killed it a few weeks later. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was about a 225-pound male. That's and, a big uh, person, yeah. Yeah, he was a, he, we didn't want to mess with him. No, <laughs> I wouldn't at all. So I, we think maybe, you know, we had some mineral lick and stuff out that maybe he was probably just being territorial with us. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, was, that whole, like, oh, it's just a bluff charge Folks, I'm telling you, if a bear is running my way, I'm not going to be like, I'm going to wait that extra five seconds to see if it's a bluff or not. Like, that's, uh, yeah, that's scary. I, the only thing I have to worry about whenever I'm checking trail cameras is like, um, you know, turkeys flying off the limb or whatever, um, you know, and scaring me to death. That's that's yeah. about it. But yeah. not, not, no bears. So yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Brody, talk a little bit about, uh, I know you got a passion for whitetails. Um, where did that begin? How did you get into it? Man, so uh, I think West Virginia and Ohio, a lot of these states, they have a pretty rich history of mm -hmm. hunters, and, and this place is it's no different. And so uh, my dad was a hunter, and so uh, he started taking me out with him uh, when I was about three years old. Mm. And I look back, and I'm like, oh, man, maybe that was – I have some nephews that are around that age, and I'm thinking, what was he doing taking me 
in the woods with him, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I ruined a few hunts with him, uh, for him. And, uh, but he just kept taking me and, uh, just grew a passion with me. In fact, he had bought me this little, uh, youth bear recurve bow. Mm. <laughs> and every time we went, I used to take that thing out with me. And I can remember uh, on one, one occasion, especially, uh, the rut was going on and, there were, were doe running through the woods and, and bucks behind them. And uh, my dad actually passed on a shot at a decent buck just to, to see how close it would get because he wanted me to get excited about it. Yeah. And so I was, I was kind of hooked. Cool. Yeah, I was kind of hooked uh, from a young age. And, uh, and as the years passed, you know, I picked up a, a 410 single shot to start hunting with and, and kind of worked my, my way up. And uh, we weren't great hunters, though, you know, my, <laughs> my dad took me, but we weren't uh, real great at it. And uh, so it had been, I'd been hunting with him for years and had very little opportunities. And uh, I think finally, I came home one time, my dad, and I had seen a deer and jumped it and he decided we'd try to cut it off. And he thought he knew where it would come out at. And he took me through this briar patch and I had <laughs> scratches all over my face. And uh, and, uh, we got home and, you know, my mom wasn't real happy with the result of what she had seen. And so I really credit her with the step up of hunting level, uh, from my family. She kind of, I think got on my dad a little bit that he needed to figure out how to get me deer and, and how to get us on him in a safer way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so credit mom for that one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. It was awesome that he took it. I, I think I always talk about deer hunting on this show but probably looking back for me, my dad took me coon hunting whenever I was a kid. He really? had coon dogs and there was just nothing like going out there at night, you know, hop in the truck, meet a buddy. He usually had a, the buddy that he'd go with had a son and we'd hang out and they'd turn the dogs loose. And once those dogs would tree, we'd take off running through the woods, you know, <laughs> that in, you know, we have our headlamps on and all that. And that just, and I just remember there was times that he would want to go without me and I would sit there and like about half cry or whatever. And he'd always like, come on, buddy, let's go. And so I'd get in the truck and God, I just remember that being like four or five, six years old going on those trips. And that just was, that was awesome. You know, I still kind of get that same feeling a little bit every time I get ready to go on a hunt. Like there's this excitement about yeah. it. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I have a, a little boy uh, who's six months old now and and uh, I'm already buying things in, in preparation for him <laughs> to go. And I can't wait to start taking them with me and, and my dad and, and my brother yep. and some of our friends. I was pricing crossbows yesterday for my daughter. I, I was like, all right, it's five. <laughs> how much longer before I'm going to have to drop this? How much do crossbows even cost? So I was going through this hunting store looking like, all right, well, I can get her that. I probably can't afford a raven. Uh, I'd have to take out a loan and get rid of some <laughs> or mortgage, you know, part of her uh, college fund, you know. To... Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's it's uh, college or the raven, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Might be a good trade off. But anyway, so. So you kind of get, uh, you guys start getting better at hunting, you said, so some of those things. So what did that look like for you? Talk about some of those early hunts, how you kind of pulled it off and, um, you know, what that, what that looked like. Uh, some of it was, we just started scouting a little bit, you know, the wonders that that scouting will do for you when you actually put some boots on the ground and look yeah. around for some sign and, and things like that. And then we decided, uh, you know, maybe we'll try tree stands out instead of walking or sitting on the ground or up by a tree. Uh, so we started uh, putting some tree stands up. I remember my dad purchased this really old trail camera. I mean, the thing, pro the white flash on it probably scared everything to death. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he started Jeez. putting one of those up. It took, uh, uh, it was it was four or six large, you know, D batteries. And uh, it just used to suck through them. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, also in West Virginia, it's legal to 
bait beer. Uh, yep. So, you know, started throwing, yeah, started throwing some corn out, uh, you know, and that's always a, a good way to start getting, seeing deer and getting in the vicinity of them. So really that's how it started happening, but it still took from, he started taking me when I was three. And then I think he started letting me hunt with a gun. Uh, I think I was six or seven, you know, and mm-hmm. he was obviously with me. Um, but it wasn't until I was 12 on a youth hunt that I was actually able to harvest uh, my first deer. Mm. How'd you do that? Uh, we had uh, we had hunted all morning and uh, we had sat in the stands and, and hadn't seen anything. And we had a buddy stand and my dad was up there with me. And uh, uh, we had some of my my close friends who were close to my age. The, their grandpa was out hunting on the other side of the property. And, and none of us had seen anything. So as uh, it's getting on towards, I think it was close to noon. Uh, my dad, you know, that's about all I could take anyway of setting. Yeah, and, that's uh, a long said, time. Yeah, he said, why don't we, uh, why don't we take a loop? And in that loop, you know, I I think God just, just gifted me this, you know, young deer comes out and it stands broadside for what must have been 40 seconds, uh, you know, as I'm fumbling with the gun and and shaking and trying to find the deer in my scope. And honestly, I think I just kind of found center mass and squeezed the trigger and in the deer, you know, the front shoulders hit the ground and it takes off and I'm confused and dazed and, uh, you know, my dad's, you know, he's like, you put a good shot on it, you know, we'll give it a minute and we'll go look for it. And, and sure enough, uh, you know, I don't know how I managed to do it, but I put a good shot on it. Um, and, and my buddies who were there hunting with me, it, it was cool to have them. They had heard me shoot. So yeah. they came around. And, and so it was really neat. Uh, we were out there, three young guys with my dad and their grandpa and, and they're helping us telling us what to do to, to gut and, and clean this deer so yeah it was a cool story i'll never forget that yeah I, I i you just brought up something i haven't thought about in a long time one of my favorite parts about the deer drives or hunting with somebody else is obviously whenever you get the chance to shoot something but whenever you hear somebody else shoot oh, yeah. the level of excitement like, like oh and you know who it was like oh that's that's jim up there or that's trav over there and it just I, that was always something I loved, especially if it was like maybe my brother or somebody like that, or somebody I knew hadn't got a deer, and I'd hear like a little four ten, like oh yes, little guys <laughs> getting action, you know. It's just, just stuff like that. That's kind of stuff that you think about, and you're like, oh, I forgot how cool that was. This stuff that you don't necessarily experience with bow hunting, which is what I do a lot of now. So, yeah. don't hear the thwack, you know, through the woods mostly. <laughs> yeah, not not usually, but yeah. yeah. Uh, that's cool. Well, you've had an experience uh, that most people probably haven't. You have hunted both New York and West Virginia. So you probably have some stories from New York and you probably have some stories from West Virginia. And I'm going to bet that maybe there's a little bit of a, a difference there. So I, was, I thought it might be interesting for you to kind of talk about maybe some of those stories. And then uh, we can talk a little bit about what's the difference. Is there any difference in the style of hunting? And you mentioned a little bit of it earlier, but uh, I thought maybe you could go that route. Yeah. Um as I mentioned in West Virginia, uh, baiting's legal. And so I think I got a little bit comfortable with that of, uh, you know, drawing deer in and just kind of setting and, and waiting on them. Uh, in New York, you can't uh, feed any type of wildlife. Right. And so there was a transition of, you know, I had been successful in West Virginia for several years, filling tags. And uh, I moved to New York and found out I wasn't quite as good as I thought I was. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so we were blessed with some permission property, some family property that I was able to, uh, go, go hunt on it. And, uh, yeah, I I went out and and hung a stand and 
I sat in it the first time I'd went bow hunting and realized I was facing the complete wrong direction. The deer were coming <laughs> from, from behind me. And uh, so I, I made some corrections and, and modifications and, uh, but I learned quickly that uh, I didn't really understand deer habitat very well. And I yeah. didn't understand how they were moving. Uh, and I didn't really understand what to look for besides the, the very obvious. And so uh, I love hunting, like I said, 365. So I really started studying it. And thank God there's YouTube, there's oh, YouTube yeah. channels, uh, just about habitat and how to read it and sign. And so I really got into that um, for the first year I was there and uh, was able to to bag uh, a few deer and, and got a, uh, a buck with my, my bow. And so uh, it was a pretty lucky season looking back at it, um, but I learned a lot from it. And then the second season I was there, uh, I decided to, to try my hand in food plots. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so that was an experience. It was a, a lot of fun doing it. I had some good friends come over and, uh, and come help. And so that was a blast as a, I hadn't mentioned before, but I work in ministry in college ministry specifically. So I was bringing college guys over who a lot are from Pittsburgh and uh, they've never really, you know, ran farm equipment. And so yeah. they've got their on the tractor and uh, so <laughs> helping me throw some seeds around and, uh, and those didn't turn out real great. Uh, over, overseeded a lot of spots. We had a drought. Uh, I used some blends that contradicted each other really. Yeah. Um, but I got a little bit of green to come up and uh, had a little bit of success with it. But I really started learning uh, really about how to set up on deer, where they're bedding, how to look for signs, what's buck bedding, where are the doe at? Uh, is there a food source that they're going to that I can intercept them at? Yeah. Um, and so I just got a lot more time boots on the ground, a lot more scouting, uh, setting trail cameras up on trails and over scrapes and uh, just kind of really seeing what the deer were naturally doing rather than uh, you know, I'm going to draw them in and I'm just going to sit and wait. Yeah. So. Yeah. There is a difference. I, I, I mean, I grew up very first buck that I shot with a bow was with a crossbow and I came home from college and my dad had a feeder and right at last light, uh, a pretty decent eight point. Uh, I just looked up and he was underneath the feeder. You know, that was the very first one. And I remember, I remember shooting him and I thought it, it was exciting, but it just was like, you know, I mean, it was just kind of wait. He shows up, I shoot him. And that, and I still will, I've used corn in the past and that sort of thing. But I do think that once you try and put that away for a little bit and try and learn, I think there's a lot more skills that you can learn getting into the woods and scouting and things like that. Um, my buddy Trav has kind of combined both worlds, the whole scouting, understanding where a deer is at, and then using the corn. Um, he doesn't just put out a corn in a spot and hope that deer come to it. He puts it out in a spot where he knows a funnel is and they have to pass by it. Like he's, Last year, the way he's able to get his buck is there are several paths that this this buck could have taken to get into this field. He knew the deer was coming to that field. He had scouted it. Mm -hmm. He knew the terrain. He knew where the buck bedded. The corn, all it did was make sure that it came down one particular route. The buck came down, took two bites of food, and then continued on. Like, it didn't even stay there for him to get a quick, you know, clean shot. And so, I don't know. I think there's – I don't have any problem with people using corn. I will probably use it this year in some way, but – there's some smart ways to use it and there's a lot that you can use, you know, I think, um, doing some scouting as well. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's nothing against people who use corn or anything like that. It works. I mean, you know, I'm sure I'll put it out again. I haven't this year, but I'm sure at some point, uh, I will, but yeah, there's something rewarding about scouting it and learning how that deer is moving naturally and, and setting up on it. And so, 
uh, it, it was a cool lesson. I learned I was really uh, blessed with some awesome neighbors who let me hunt their properties and uh, yeah. let me mess around on their properties. So uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I'd like to go back up. I'm hoping this year I still have my in-laws still live up there. So I'm hoping to, to go back up there and, and do some hunting again. All right, cool. So tell me about that buck. How did, how did that play out? I'm just curious. Whenever you got into New York, you found the spot, uh, you got your compound buck. How did that, tell me the story there. I, uh, I had sat there, like I said, the first time was a mess. I had set the stand up facing the wrong way. Um, because I, I knew I was near bedding, but wasn't quite sure where they're accessing it and coming out. So I flipped that stand a little bit. Um, in the next few sets, uh, you know, I had some doe come under me and, and got to see some movement. Uh, I saw a couple bucks out in the distance, but nothing uh, had come up. And then, you know, it, everything can just change in a moment. So it's probably my fifth or sixth set. And I'd been sitting out there uh, for a little little while and it was getting to late October. You know, the, the deer were starting to, to chase and move and check bedding a little bit. And that's really what happened. I had a buck come through that was looking to check some doe bedding uh, and he got within 12 yards and mm -hmm. uh, put a good shot on him knew I drilled him and it, this was a pretty small parcel of land it was only a non-acre piece of property mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of doe bed up in there and so I, I just got him snooping around you know as, as a lot of good bucks get it uh, I got him snooping around and he actually fell over about seven feet from the driveway to pull into the property so it was ideal <laughs> can't beat that that's awesome yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool, man. I, I remember that too. I mean, um, one of my very first, the first deer I ever killed with a compound was a spot where I went out and kind of scouted it. And I just realized like the first hunt, I had deer all around me, but I hunted there a couple more times and I realized I needed to adjust and just being able to move to a spot and then a deer come in within range. It just feels good. Like there's just something yeah. about that that feels really rewarding or whatever. I, I do think going back to the corn thing, I thought about this. I think there's a common misconception that like corn, I understand why it's legal and illegal, illegal in some States, but there's this idea you just throw out the corn and the giant bucks are just going to come in and eat it. And you're just going to shoot them. And I don't know about you, but my experience has been, you might get a spike um, yeah. and you'll probably get like, maybe not, not the lead though. The lead though is smart enough to come in downwind typically, but usually they're just, I think deer get wise to that after a hunt or two. And so there's, yeah. There is, I think, a little bit of strategy in using corn and how you set up. I think the wind still matters. I, I know some people hate it. You know, they think that it's just terrible or whatever. But to me, it's like uh, it's not as simple as just throwing it out there and a deer just comes up and you kill it most of the time. Um, yeah. No. I'm, no. There's a little bit of there's <laughs> definitely some strategy that goes in, especially if you're going to kill anything that's mature and has any wisdom whatsoever. Spikes will come into it all day, you know, but. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You'll get the small ones to come in there, but those, those big ones. And, and I think what's interesting about uh, the corn and I've heard it mentioned on your show before is if a mature buck, if they have one bad encounter in their lifetime around that corn pile, it, it turns them off from it. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's not as easy, you know, yeah, you'll get deer to come in, but the mature deer, they'll keep their distance and, you know, sometimes if you're lucky, you'll get a young doe to, to bring a buck with her. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really the only time I've been successful on a mature buck around corn is, is a doe brought him in. So buddy, Trav and I thought we were going to kill a giant one year. We had, uh, put out the corn pile. He put out like hundreds of pounds of corn all <laughs> summer long. We had this buck, we called him cactus rack. It just like his, his rack just went like straight up in the air and then did all this crazy stuff. And he was the, probably the biggest buck we'd ever had on trail camera. And he was showing up like all throughout September, early September. We're like, oh, he's dead. He's dead. First opening day. 
and we got up there opening morning and we didn't hardly see anything. And then we came back that night and, uh, it was, uh, I, I, I'll never forget it. Like a spike came right into the corn pile, but then this, this lead doe came in and she came in and then her fawn came into the corn pile. This doe st- stayed back. Like our wind was blowing. It wasn't blowing to her. And I watched her make this giant loop and come in. She knew something wasn't right. Like it was just, and so she's like, wait, it's almost like she's like, wait a second, guys, wait, wait, wait. And so <laughs> made this giant loop, came in downwind of us. And then of course, blew and blew and blew. And we couldn't get a shot. We were willing to, to finish her, but didn't get the <laughs> shot. Never saw a cactus rack. And I think we learned like, okay, there's, there's more to this than just throwing out the corn and him coming in. There's gotta be, we, we should have been set up further down or tried to catch where they're moving, you know, so there's, there's more to it, but anyway, yeah, I just yeah. thought that was kind of interesting. So. Yeah, that is, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. So let's go to West Virginia. Um, I have some ambitions to hunt there here in the next couple of years. My grandpa has a piece of property over there that I'd, I'd love to go kind of explore. Talk, talk to us a little bit about some of your stories from West Virginia. What's, what's been some of the, the best experiences that you've had over there hunting? Man, I've had, I love the state of West Virginia and I love hunting it um, as a lot of people do. And the, the thing about West Virginia is, uh, you know, we're not going to quite get those quality bucks, not a lot of mature deer uh, around here. And that, that's for a few reasons. But man, quantity, you are going to see deer when you yeah. said you are going to see deer. And uh, and so I've loved that growing up and uh, uh, growing up, we used to go to this deer camp um, and for the last few years, COVID and, you know, no, yeah. it hasn't been able to happen. But we grew up going to this deer camp. Uh, just with some family friends and and with these uh, group of Vietnam vets uh, who had, had reunited much later in life. And so we would go to deer camp and I just remember being so excited, oh, to, yeah. you know, that that was the best. And uh, so, you know, there would be 10, 12 guys staying at this little cabin in the middle of the woods and, you know, we'd be hunting maybe 40 acres between all of us. And uh, and so we just have this, you know, blast. It wasn't in West Virginia, like I said, the the quality of the bucks aren't always there. Uh, we certainly don't put a, a tape on them. Not that there's anything wrong with scoring a deer, but we don't figure there's much reason to do it. So, you know, if you can hang a ring on it, it's a point. And so we kind of go by how many points oh, yeah. the deer has. Yeah, how many points? And if it's brown, no, 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 not, not if it's brown, it's down. It's more so you can't eat the horns. That's Oh, the you thing, can't right? you hear that all the time. Can't yep. eat them horns. Can't yep. eat the horns. Yeah. Uh, so early in hunting West Virginia, that was the case, you know, if it had horns, that was a win and uh, being in deer camp, being the guy, you know, who got to, you, you know, everybody heard somebody shoot and uh, you get to be the guy to drag back your, your little buck and hang it up. And, you know, often we would, you know, check it in and all those things, but then it was camp meet for the week. And so, you know, the first deer was kind of designated as camp meet for the week. And uh, man, those are just some of my, my best memories uh, growing up. And uh, I'm one of those people, as much as I would love to kill a big buck and, and I certainly do. And I try my best man to, just the camaraderie and I'd yeah. rather see, you know, my best friend or my brother or, or dad or wife, man, if they harvest something awesome, I'm just as excited yeah. uh, for them. So with all that being said, I have, you know, quite a few uh, stories that stick out in my mind about uh, hunting in West Virginia. And uh, I think one of the, one of my uh, favorite ones is uh, we got on a lease. Uh, I think I was a freshman in college and and we decided we would try you know this lease thing and and so we found ourselves a lease and uh and i'd actually harvested a doe out there in bow season but our 
realize that this property was full of deer. It didn't matter what you did. You, you could stumble through the woods and, and there you'd still see deer. And uh, so the opening morning of rifle came and, and uh, like a lot of states, it's basically a holiday. You know, there's no school, oh, there's yeah. nothing, you know. And so just those nerves building up to the night before. And we had run trail cameras all year and there wasn't any real exceptional bucks uh, that stood out, but there was a lot of them. Uh, so we wake up that morning and, uh, there was five of us, my dad, my brother, our buddy, Ronnie and his son. And, uh, you know, we had scouted a lot and, and, uh, we were amped and ready to go. And, uh, so I remember getting in my tree stand that morning and, uh, I, I was, I'd probably been sitting there maybe 45 minutes and I start hearing the crunching and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, something's coming. Probably a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> I had faked out a few times, uh, but I look up and I, and I see Brown coming up mm -hmm. a path and, uh, and I can see it's got a basket on top of its head. And, you know, I knew what was in the area and I knew that was, you know, about the best we were going to do. Yeah. And, uh, so I, you know, I flip my gun off and, and it gets to about 30 yards and presents a, a really nice shot. And, uh, I shoot and, you know, make a good shot. I see I've hit it well and it, it takes off running and, uh, about as soon as I pulled the trigger, I hear my buddy Ronnie. You know, you hear that shot of your buddy, and you know who it is. Shot rings out from him, and uh, I give it a couple minutes, and he calls me. And uh, you know, you're all excited, and you know, he mm -hmm. says, "Did you did you get one?" I said, "Yeah." I said, it, "You know, I see it laying over here. It's it's down." And you know, I said, "I'm not sure how big it is. It had a little basket rack on top of it." And uh, I said, "What about you?" And he said, "Yep." He said, "I got a, another basket rack buck." setting down over here and uh i said all right uh i'll meet you and he said okay you know so i get out of my tree stand go find my deer and uh then go on over get on the path to go over to his and he meets me about halfway on that path and, and no sooner than we start to talk we hear another gunshot uh and so we know it's it's one of us we think it's it's my dad or my brother who was shot um and so my phone starts vibrating and, and it's my dad calling me. And uh, he says, I, I think I, I think I missed, I think I missed a buck. And uh, I said, are you sure? He said, well, I've either missed it or I shot the horn off of its head. <laughs> and, uh, and then he says, hold on, hold on. It's, it's coming back. So he hangs up and we hear another shot <laughs> and he says, I got it this time. <laughs> and, uh so Ronnie and I, we had rode a full weller up together and parked and, and walked into our stands. And we said, we'll meet you, you know, we'll meet you over there. And so we're, we're kind of laughing about it thinking, you know, what's he done? And uh, so we, we get over there and he has this, this small, small buck he's holding on to. And, and we get up to it and he had just clean missed it the first time, but it was missing an antler. Oh, okay. Um, and so he did, he, he got it with the second one and, and we're kind of laughing at him, giving him a hard time. It, it was not a real big deer. Yeah. And uh, we're kind of standing there just talking about how we've all had this incredible morning all within really the first hour and a half of, of rifle season. And now yeah. we're like, well, we have a, we have all these deer that we need to take care of. Right. All right. And so we hop on the bikes and we go back over to Ronnie's tree stand and, and we're working on his deer. And my brother had, joined with us he heard all the commotion in the full wellers and he's thought well i'm not going to see anything now you know too many gunshots too many full wellers and uh, as we're we're gutting ronnie's deer uh i happen to look up and here comes another buck <laughs> and so I, I tell my brother hey 
there's there's a buck right there and so he grabs the first gun that's leaning against a tree and he throws up the gun and he pulls the trigger and it clicks there's there's no shells in oh, it oh no uh so uh, the deer's now just looking at us and he manages to put a shell in load it and shoots the deer and and drops it and wow. so we're standing there and we've killed four bucks now you know within about an hour a half hour and a half of each other and uh man we just we still talk about that all the time man remember that morning we saw all those deer remember and That's so uh, it was it was awesome we uh we lined the truck up with all four and i was trying to find a picture of it and wasn't able to so i'm hoping somebody else has a picture uh of it but uh yeah it was just one of those those mornings that you know you'll remember there was nothing incredibly killed nothing incredibly huge man yeah. but they were trophies to us and we had a time doing it with one another i'm convinced that we've made hunting not be as much fun because we get too worried about some of that stuff i mean if that's your thing and or whatever but there's always this you got to defend you know the way that you yeah. grew up hunting or whatever and it's like hey you guys had the time of your life you look back at that moment nobody cares I mean, did you get anything mounted probably not but who cares no. uh, you saved yourself 450 dollars at the taxidermist so <laughs> it, it's just yeah to me it's just like that's just awesome i mean i i think just being in the woods with friends i I look back on uh, one of my favorite hunts was me and uh, I lo always love taking people back home to hunt with us and do the deer drive. So I took my buddy Jim and Trav uh, with me there. This has been probably six, seven years ago. And they went on this. Uh, we were doing deer drives during muzzleloader season. And I don't. Uh, yeah. The end, the end of the day, we actually didn't get anything while we were driving with the guys. But we did like a little mini drive in below my house. And I shot two deer. And then uh it, the guys it was one of those things where the, you know you talk about making fun of people i shot what i thought was a doe and <laughs> apparently there was a brushy background and i just missed the seven antlers that were on top of his head uh, so <laughs> i don't know if i've ever told this embarrassing story but so we start tracking it well there's snow so we're i start kind of tracking it well while i'm tracking it a little tiny doe comes up to me so i reload and i shoot this doe Mm -hmm. I don't know if I, I probably had to tag in the one before. The, but anyway, I, I, I'm chasing this other deer. My buddy Jim work, is up in front of me. All of a sudden, I see a buck jump up and take off running. I think I'm tracking a, a doe. And my buddy Jim, he shoots. I'm like, what are you shooting? And he goes, that buck right there. I'm like, did you want one that small? I mean, I, I knew he was holding out for something bigger. And he's like, That's, isn't that your deer? I was like, no, I'm tracking a doe. So all this confusion is going on. Well, finally, the blood trail doesn't lie. We tracked this thing over there. We ended up having to shoot it again. Oh I didn't make God. a great shot on it. And so we ended up finally getting it. But it, they, to this day, Trav and Jim still harass me about the dough that, <laughs> dough that became a buck, that transformed into a buck. So fortunately, I had a buck tag, and I didn't have to be illegal or anything. But, yeah, just oh, but that fun with friends, just being out in the snow and having a good time, that was – I'll never forget that. And that's funny. That is – and it's great. And it's those stories that you look back and you just – it's so funny you know in the moment it may be not as funny but yeah. you look back and you're like man that that was awesome and it's good to have friends and family around that will do it with you and uh man when you can joke with each other like that it just makes it even better yeah absolutely well brody i wanted to uh switch gears for a second here and talk to you a little bit about you mentioned uh chi alpha and that's something i know what that is you and i actually have a, a mutual friend that's a small world we both I grew up with a good buddy named Jay, and uh, you actually have a, a ministry connection with Jay. But I, I thought for a second it would be interesting to kind of hear about what you do with campus ministry, because that's kind of unique. How did you get into that? And tell us a little bit about you know, kind of your experience there in college. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Our, our buddy Jay, our mutual friend. I mean, he's an awesome dude. And like I said, you you grew up with him. I met him a few years ago, but he's an awesome guy. And me and him happen to work uh, for the same ministry, and it's called Chi Alpha Campus Ministry. Um, and uh, I mean, it's really big uh, about making disciples. You know, young adults uh, teaching students uh, really how to share their faith with people around them, not only in college, but as they become dads, as they become mothers, as they, they enter into the workforce, really just, man, just letting people know who Jesus is and teaching them how to share that uh, with people around them. Um, and so I got involved with Chi Alpha as a senior uh, in college. I was really blessed that my campus had a Chi Alpha ministry on there, um, but I really wasn't aware of it until I was a senior. Um, and I, I grew up, I was a church kid, you know, my parents took me to church and things like that, but it was a lot of head knowledge and, and really no heart knowledge. Uh, mm -hmm. I went there and my parents told me I needed to go. I went, tried to be a good person, but you know, Jesus, you know, he was, he was God, but you know, he wasn't my God, you know, like uh, there just wasn't any, any heart attachment to it. I didn't realize you could have a personal relationship with them. And uh, so anyway, I found myself as a senior in college, as I think uh, probably a lot of seniors do you're you're you've now spent three years broadening your horizons you know like mm -hmm. they tell you to do and uh, man I had lived it all and uh, I uh, I had picked up uh, quite a bad drinking problem while I was in college and uh, and you know that kind of led to depression and different things like that which I'd never experienced in my life and and I just kept doing what people were telling me, you know, this will bring you joy. And so I remember just working hard for my degree and trying to get good grades. I remember partying three, four times a week. I remember, you know, chasing women around the campus and, you know, people just kept saying, you know, like this is where joy and happiness is. And, and I remember uh, it was actually the end of my junior year and you know, just waking up one day and thinking, man, there has to be more than this. I'm just so empty. Nothing really brings me joy. I feel this big void. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm drinking a lot. And uh, so I remember actually uh, getting down on my knees and, and praying in my bedroom. And it had been a long time since I'd done that. And uh, looking back, I think, man, what a bold prayer that was for somebody like me to pray. But man, thankfully, when we, you know, take one step towards God, he runs to us. I think of the prodigal mm -hmm. son. And uh, it's really when we take that one step. And so I remember just praying and really just saying, uh, and God, I'm going to give you one chance in my life. And, uh, you know, if you don't come through, I'm just done. You know, I'm not going to try this again. I'm done. I don't really know what that means for me, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you this chance. And uh, I, I went to class. Uh, what class was it? I believe it was a literature class. And uh, I had a, a guy in there who wore this Kyle Alpha shirt all the time. And I thought he was a frat guy at first, but throughout the semester of hearing him talk, I realized he's not a frat guy, but I'm very confused about that shirt. Yeah. Um, and so one day I'm kind of inspecting the shirt a little closer. He sat in front of me. So I didn't look like a weirdo, like staring back at him. Um, but I see it says like prayer, community, faith. And, and I'm like, oh, this must be some type of Christian organization on this campus. Um, so fast forward into the summertime, I knew I needed to make some practical changes on my end. So I came back uh, and I lived with my brother for the summertime and got a job um, at a sawmill. Um, and I went to my parents' house and I was looking for a Bible I had gotten as I had graduated uh, high school. My church had given me this little camo Bible with my name and stuff embroidered on it. And so 
I was looking for that thing and, and finally did find it. I never opened it from the case it was in. And uh, so the, I, I started reading it that summer and I started praying. Um, and I remember I was working on a, on a slip stack out in, out in the yard and I just had this beautiful view of these mountains. And I remember I would just pray every, I'd look at those mountains and I'd think, man, God, you created those things. Like how awesome is that? And it would just kind of get me thinking about God. And I'd find myself praying periodically throughout the day. And so I uh, go back to finish my senior year of college, move back. And, uh, and God was just laying on my heart that I needed to check this thing out and uh, whatever Chi Alpha was, because I really had no idea what it was. And so I, I Googled them and found a little stuff online and found out they had a service at a local church every Thursday. And uh, I asked one of my best friends who he was the same deal. Uh, he didn't grow up in church, but occasionally went like Christmas and Easter. And, um, and so I knew he wasn't a Christian, but I, I didn't want to go to this thing by myself. So, yeah. you know, as uh, I asked him and that's good friends do, he's such a, a great friend of mine. You know, he's like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with you. And uh, we walk in late because, you know, we thought we, it wouldn't be cool to go early to this church thing. So we walk in late, so nobody will talk to us. And uh, we walk in and there's like a, 150 students worshiping God. There's a band up there of students and people are going at it. And I'm thinking, do they go to my college? That was my first question was, yeah. I didn't realize people this young were, were like seeking God. You yeah. know, everybody told me like, you go here, you party, you get a degree, you have a good time, you, you know. And so this thing of like, wow, students are trying to grow in their faith. This is, this is crazy. So we went and we sat down and uh, the message was, was really good, but we knew nobody in there. So as the service ends, we get up to leave and I'm not sure if we would have come back or not. I, I don't know, but this guy intercepted us. He made a beeline for us and his, his name was Matt. And uh, he told us that he was leading a life group. And he's kind of explaining what that is. And yeah, it's this Bible study we do weekly in a small group of men with each other. And we kind of hang out throughout the week and we do different things. And, and uh, the best way, uh, my buddy Phil, who came with me or I describe it, was that Matt was desperate to share God with somebody and we were desperate to know him. Mm. And uh, man, we started attending this Bible study and going to this service weekly. And, and mine and Phil's hearts just started changing so quickly. And, uh, realized like oh you know Jesus is like an intimate God like he's not far off he he hears my prayers like he cares about me and he loves me and so uh like I said we were just our hearts were changing really quick and uh and I'm so grateful that I had people around me to to care for me and, and to pray and to help us understand things and thank thankful to have Phil there beside me going through the same things and um I remember we were leaving a service and I was in my car driving home and and I was praying and you know it's just you know thank you God that you love me thank you that you know like I, I was I was out there you know I was, I was living out there deep and uh, you know you still loved me and you protected me and I didn't even realize those things at the time and so I was wrapping my head around like all right man God loves me God has forgiven me for these things and um, but I remember praying like God I'm so thankful for that but you know why did I have to go through some of the hard stuff that led up to this. And, and I've really only heard, I will say clearly from God twice in my life. And this was one of, one of those times. And, and God just really impressed on me, you know, that he had to let me be tore down so he could rebuild me uh, in his image this time. And I remember, you know, this great peace overwhelmed me, you know, the Bible talks about it, like this great 
piece that we really can't describe. We even have trouble comprehending. And I remember that coming over me and I've lived um, in that sense. And so fast forward a few months, I'm getting ready to graduate. And uh, in the meantime, uh, I had been baptized as a kid, but Phil never had. And so, man, Phil got baptized and it was just, it, it was awesome. Our lives completely did a 180 and for the best. Um, and so it's getting around graduation time. And I'm like, well, I think I should probably start praying about, you know, what God <laughs> would have for my next step. And I started praying that in an opportunity to work for Chi Alpha um, as an intern opened up and uh, had some some people pray for me and encourage me. And, uh, you know, I said, all right, God, like, if this is where you're leading me, you know, I'll do it. And so we opened the doors for it. I started working for Chi Alpha. They have an internship um, that, that, you know, you give a year and that's kind of your commitment to it. And you can decide if you want to keep doing it or, if, you know, if, if you if you don't want to, that's fine, too. Um, so I did this internship. Knew I wanted to keep doing it. Met my wife in the meantime, who she was also doing it, but she was doing it up in Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, and so we just knew God was calling us to do it together. And so I moved up there with her. And uh, yeah, this is uh, my fifth year involved with it. Uh, still still trucking along back in Fairmont, West Virginia now. Yeah. Um, but man, I love it. And I'm so grateful for the way God used it in my life. And and that's why, you know, what God did in me, you know, I believe God wants to do through us as well. And so that's why that's I do awesome. what I do really. And so, yeah. Man, what a testimony. That's a great, you know, we throw that word around a lot in church, but just really it's your story, you know, the way, and it's not even really your story. It's God's story and how he kind of brought you in on it. You know, I think this is kind of neat. You saying that prayer, like, all right, you got one chance. I mean, <laughs> Um, that's that's an incredibly bold prayer and you look back like oh man like really glad that he uh like let me see a dude's t-shirt like that's really kind of just how that all played out that's that's god's hand that's really cool yeah yeah absolutely yeah i'm just so thankful for it and uh man just blessed i went to a, a campus that had it i don't know uh if any of you listeners are in college right now or uh uh if your children are or something but i'm gonna put a small plug in you know if if there's another Chi Alpha, there's other things on campuses like crew and, and some other things. Um, but man, uh, I, I would just encourage you to drop the, drop the hint, you know, yeah. or check it out, you know, take that step of faith and do it. Um, I think sometimes Christians, you know, they go to campus and there's a really sad statistic of those who actually end up walking away from their faith. There's a small percentage that do get involved in ministries. Um, and I think a lot of times, uh, we think, well, maybe they'll, our parents hope that their children will be babysat in those ministries. But man, those ministries, young people grow in them. And so uh, if you're in college right now, you know, get on your school's website, see what's there. Yeah. Your kids are there, uh, you know, check for them, drop a hint, pray for them. I think about the verse, um, <clears throat> Brody, that talks about seek and you'll find, you know, that simple verse, you know, seek and ye shall find that, that a lot of people know that verse, they've heard of it. But what does that mean to you? Like if somebody out there right now would be seeking, what does that look like? And what does it mean that they can find? Yeah, um, I think it, it can uh, it can be taken out of context, uh, you know, a lot. And uh, and uh, I think if you seek enough, you will find something, whether yeah. that's uh, good, good or bad. And I think this is where like, man, Christians have got to take the heart, like the Great Commission, man, what Jesus told us to do. 
because the thing is there there are people seeking all over and We're so all seeking. I, yeah and so i think when when i hear that of like uh, you will find, you will find something, but I, I really look at the responsibility end of believers of saying, man, we got to give people an opportunity to, to know the gospel, to know Jesus. And so, yeah, I love that verse. And I think it's a great encouragement just for believers of, man, there's people seeking. I think sometimes we get caught up in the news and, and, you know, Gen Z and in all these things, but man, the truth is I spend a lot of time with college students and they're seeking and uh, man, they're not as opposed to the gospel as what we think, but it, it takes, you know, letting, letting God use you to, to step out of your comfort zone a lot of times and, and, and just share, you know, the good news with them really. And so yeah. I think there's people that are seeking answers and I think it's our job as Christians to be seeking those people. Um, yeah. I think that's, there, there should be two types of things. And whenever we close out a church service, one of the things I've started saying Instead of saying you're dismissed or have a great day, I, I still do that sometimes. But a lot of times I'll just say you're, you are sent. Like it's our job to not just go out and just we're, we're sent into the world to try and tell people the good news. Like, there's only one thing I know that seeking it and finding it will bring you joy and completeness. And that's what you mentioned there with your faith in, in Jesus. So appreciate that, man. That's awesome. I really appreciate sharing your story with us. Yeah. Well, Brody. Fall is approaching. So back to the deer thing here. How's your, how's your fall looking? Are you excited? Yeah, I, uh, I'm really excited for this season, to be honest, for a few reasons. As I mentioned, uh, uh, for the last probably five years, I've been uh, more interested in learning deer habitat. And some of that came with moving to New York and things. Um, but with also trying to just chase some more mature whitetail. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I've, like I said, I, in West Virginia, there's nothing too big. And, and look, if it's to feed your family, you know, if it's, if you're filling your freezer, man, if it brings you joy, do it. But I've been trying to get at my family a little bit of, Hey, what if we try to see if we can grow some bigger bucks here? Yeah. And uh, like I said, last year they got on board with it. And so uh, we, we didn't shoot any bucks. In fact, one night I saw four bucks and none of them were bigger than a three point. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so they, you know, we, we didn't shoot any bucks last year and this year the trail cameras are really telling a story of, yeah. of the change. So we have uh, three or four bucks now that I'd be comfortable with, uh, with taking any of them. I'm, I'm hoping uh, that my family gets a crack at them. Uh, yeah. I got my brother into uh, archery. And so last year uh, we just had a, a, just a wonderful experience. I'll never forget it. Uh, he harvested his first deer uh, with mm. a bow and he's hooked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so he's in on it so I'm excited this year to get back out there with him my wife um I took her hunting once the year we were married and uh she she's one for one she's a hundred percent right now <laughs> and, uh, uh, but she's she's mentioned wanting to kind of get into the archery world so uh we have a crossbow that we've set up for her, and so I'm excited to, to get her out in the blind and, and hunting again um but yeah, I, uh, I'm hopeful. I think as you always should be that something's going to happen this year. Yeah. Um, we have a, a really good friend, Ronnie. He's actually going to come over uh, the land. He was hunting for years, just got sold. Um, so he's going to come hop on, on our property with us. And so uh, I'm excited to have him over there as well. Oh, so cool, I'm, just, you know, I'm hoping one of us get a chance uh, at one of these more mature deer. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's again, good for you guys. I think, I think I always think about it, like I'm literally five minutes from West Virginia. I could see the river every single day. And so I, I know 
got buddies that hunt in West Virginia. And I think there are big deer over there. If you find certain pockets, I think on public there are, yeah. but I've always thought, okay, you got baiting. So that's going to probably hurt a little bit. Um, same as Ohio, but the difference you guys, it seems like you can shoot 20 bucks over there in a season. I mean, how many deer, how many bucks can you kill? I forget what exactly the legal amount is. I've never completely tagged out on them, but you have an archery, a rifle, a muzzle loader. You can buy extra buck, buck stamps. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. I mean, and not to say that you shouldn't have that. I mean, I understand, like you said, the meat thing, and, and there's definitely some communities and some, some issues there where you got to have the meat. And so you can't eat the horns. I completely get that. Yeah. But I am pretty grateful that in Ohio, you get one buck and that's yeah. your buck, you know, and you can kill two does per County, three does in some counties. So you can hop around and kind of fill the freezer that way. Yeah. Uh, but I've always been like that, that, that comparison between the deer, I don't know that it's necessarily geographical or the more yeah. mountains there are, but I think that probably messes with it a little bit. And so for yeah. you guys to pass that, I know that's not an easy thing to do to pass on deer, but no, it's not. Ex- <laughs> but hopefully this year will be rewarding. Rewarding. Yeah, I, I'm really hoping so. Uh, last year we were we were hunting and my dad passed on. Uh, it, it was probably a two and a half year old deer. And yeah. uh, I mean, it wasn't 10 minutes after he, he seen it. We hear a neighbor shoot. And uh, and I'm mm. just, you know, and I'm just like, oh, please. You know, I'm hoping this guy pulls a doe out and we can see it. Um, so, yeah, it it is it can be hard to to hold the trigger back when it, it yeah. really is you you know that uh the people around you are probably gonna take it but the thing is like I said there's plenty to go around and and like you said i don't know if it's really a geographical thing if uh you know you look up to pennsylvania they have the antler restrictions and a one deer restriction and there's quality white tail there yeah. uh ohio definitely has quality deer um even new york uh, you know, outside of the city, they have some similar habitat that we have and, and hunting up there. I was around a lot more mature deer than here. So yeah. um, it's not always popular opinion, but I'm like, well, we can shoot a lot of doe. There's a lot. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And to me, we're all on the same team. You know, we, all, we might have different ways that we enjoy doing things. We can all argue over our opinions about which is better. I mean, I, I love chasing something a little bit bigger because to me, it's a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah. In Ohio, I mean, if I don't see a deer on a hunt or get a chance at at least being in the ballpark, I'm kind of disappointed. I mean, I'm just spoiled some of the properties that I hunt. I, I'm used to seeing a lot of deer. The challenge for me has been getting on a bigger deer, a bigger age class, and not even so much age, just the rack, getting on a, on a bigger one. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember passing on some bucks um, my first couple of years hunting with a bow. And I at a certain point, I realized, hey, it's been like five, six, I don't forget how many years. <laughs> I went so many years where I, I hadn't even shot a, a, a buck with my bow. I'd shot him with a gun before. And I'm like, what are you doing, you goober? Cut your teeth on something. So I lowered my standards a little bit, and I shot a two-by-five. And then the next year, I shot something a little bit bigger. And so last year, I went backwards. I shot a little bit smaller with my muzzleloader. But to me, I finally realized, hey, if it makes me excited, I have nobody to answer to. I mean, I share my stuff on Facebook. If they want to rip me, they can go ahead and rip me. I don't care. Yeah. This is what makes me happy, and this is why I'm going to – I'm going to pull the trigger or let the arrow fly. So absolutely. Let's go out and enjoy yourself. I, uh, I was blessed enough. Um, it's been about five, six years ago now. Uh, I've harvested one mature buck, uh, out of West Virginia. Um, and so once again, it was, it was a rifle opener, you know, Uh, I'd like to say I got it with my bow, (laughs) but I did it. I've blown my chances on a couple decent ones, uh, Mm -hmm. more mature ones with my bow. Um, but I got this one, you know, the great equalizer came out and, uh, 
was about five, six years ago. And um, we had access to a new piece of property from a distant relative. And um, it hadn't been hunted, uh, according to our relative, you know, eight to 10 years. And, and the property was showing that. Um, so opening morning, we, we get in our stands and it's only a 54 acre property. So it's not huge. Uh, my dad, my brother and I, you know, we, we kind of just lined our stands up almost completely diagonally. Uh, from me to my dad's stand was probably 65 yards looking over completely do different things. And then my brother was probably diagonally out about a hundred yards from him, him. And so we're all visible to each other, all looking over different areas, but we really, as we looked through the property, we realized there was a lot of bedding in the back of it. And so we really tried to hunt really the front 20 and, and tried to draw the deer um, out towards us. Yeah. And uh, so I remember walking in that morning before daylight, three of us, you know, are going in and, and uh, my family's funny. My brother wears this big orange suit. I call him the great pumpkin. Uh, I'm a bigger fella. He's a bigger fella. And I call him the great pumpkin. It just, it cracks me up this full orange suit. Um, and, but it, it worked. He never gets busted. And I have no idea, you know, how I think camo, we think about the breakup patterns and yeah. I always mess with my brother that I think that his torso just looks like part of the trunk of the tree. And so they don't pick him out of it. And so we're walking in there, you know, uh, and, uh, as we get about 30 yards in, uh, we hear two deer just booking it by us and it's completely dark. So we can't see what they are but they probably ran 10 feet in front of us. And it, one of them just sounded big. I don't know if that makes sense. You could hear a, a little mm -hmm. bit of, of the grunting. And uh, so we're already amped up, you know, coming in and, and I drop over to my stand and I'm kind of looking down a valley and up and up a hillside. And uh, my dad goes on out his stand, which really looks over um, a little bit of woods to the right of him and probably about four or five acres of field. And then my brother again is looking at the other side of a ravine and, and things like that. Um, and so the morning started pretty slow. Uh, I didn't see anything. Um, my dad had a coyote come out uh, about 30 yards in front of him. And where my stand was, I can see a lot of what he's looking at. And uh, it was a massive coyote. And, uh, and I was just waiting for him to pull the trigger. Um, and he didn't. And I thought, well, maybe it was somebody's dog. It was so big. Yeah. And so he... He doesn't pull the trigger, and I'm grateful he didn't. About 30 minutes after that, uh, I hear a grunt up to my right, and I look over, and I can see some movement, and the sun was was shining down, and I could see a beam of a deer, and uh, so I'm getting excited, trying to kind of scooch myself. I'm anticipating where this deer is going to step out at, um, but it gets into some thick stuff, and I'm, I'm losing it. I can't find the deer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know there was a good buck over there. You know, where'd he go? And, uh, and I'm hearing crunching and uh, out pops a small doe. And I'm thinking, oh, that's not the deer I see. You know, there, there was a buck over there. What happened? You know, kind of like your story, except, you know, the opposite effect. It was a buck. Now it's a doe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as I'm watching her, um, I start hearing the crunching again. And I'm thinking, okay, there's, there's one coming behind her. So she runs to the foot of my, my tree stand. Um, and he finally comes out about 40 yards out to my right. And I can tell he's a good deer. And, uh, you know, I have the gun on him and I'm worried that this doe is going to bust me. And um, there's a little sapling directly behind his front shoulder. So I, I pulled just a hair back, um, pulled the trigger and, and the deer it drops right there. 
Mm. And I'm not sure how big it is, but I know he's a pretty good deer. And uh, my dad yells over, you know, he's 60, 70 yards away. Did you get it? And I'm, you know, I got it. And I'm trying to do hand motions. This was a pretty good deer. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I look back, I see, uh, you know, this deer's trying to get up. And as a hunter, you always want to make an ethical shot, you yeah. know, but sometimes it just doesn't always go, you know, the way you had planned. And he gets up and he's behind some thick stuff. And I try to, to put another one in him and, and nothing happens. And it, my dad yelling back, I thought you said you killed it, you know, and I'm trying. Yelling. <laughs> and so I'm like signaling him. I'm like, you get down here. Like he's got back up. You stand here. You might see him cut out um as a work you know and uh I, I see him again and he opens up there's a small window in, in a shoot and he falls over again and and I'm like okay this is great I got him this time well, he, he starts moving again and so my dad's now he's getting close and we're kind of getting away where if this deer bust out we're not going to shoot each other but we're going to get a shot back at this deer and uh, as we're approaching it doesn't come out and uh and sure enough he he had fallen over a little bank and kind of had dug his horns into the ground and i get up to him and, I, and i'm amazed this is the biggest white tail i've seen while i've been hunting um half of his rack is out half of it's buried in the ground and he's still huge and uh my dad's working his way over and, and he sees it and he's just like oh my gosh you know this is a huge deer and uh and at the time i thought he was a seven pointer um, and I'm amped about that. I'm thinking, I, I don't care. This deer has mass. He has size to him. He's, he's relatively wide. Um, and as I pulled his head out, you know, I found another antler. So I'm thinking, this is just, you know, this is great. Uh, my brother's now, I see the great pumpkin making his way uh, across the woods <laughs> towards me. And uh, my dad and I are high-fiving and, uh, and we're talking and, you know, grabbing the deer and look at it. And, and my brother makes it over. Same deal. He's shocked um and and like i said and in other state not as big you know this isn't as massive a deer but for here we knew the deer was four and a half to five and a half um and he has good mass he's about 18 inches wide and uh, he was just he was a really good deer so my brother comes over and and we're all excited high-fiving and we're starting to take pictures with it and uh um I was like, well, I, I'll go get the full weller so we can get this deer out of here. I don't really like, and people are different. I don't love gutting deer next to my setups. Yeah. Um, like I'll get a full weller and, and we'll, uh, we'll get them out of here. And uh, my brother says, well, I'm going to go set back in, in uh, our dad's tree stand. And you know, that's, that's fine. Go ahead. We're not that far away from you, but go ahead. And so I walk up through the woods. We drag the deer down to a path where I can get a full weller too. And I walked back up through the woods and, and get up to the vehicle and it was a cold morning and the bike was having trouble starting and uh it, it kept dying on me so you know all I can think to do I'm just gonna hold the choke out and really just just give it the beans really you know to keep it running <laughs> and uh and I do that and and uh I got the bike down to my deer and my dad's there waiting for me and no sooner did I step off the bike and shut it off my brother shoots and uh <laughs> and we're looking trying to see if we can see any deer shoot out through the woods and uh and we tell each other oh he he shot a doe you know he shot a doe he got impatient and he shot a doe this morning and so we leave my deer and we're walking up towards him and he's telling us i i just shot a good buck and we're like there's no you know there's no way you were 60 yards from us we had just been trampling through and uh he says no i, I shot a buck and it's bigger than yours 
Whoa. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like you, you've really shot a nice one. And, and uh, we're looking out in the field and uh, we can't find any blood. And my brother's mm -hmm. explaining, I'm like, well, how'd the deer act? Did he kick hard? Did he do this? And he said his, his shoulders hit the ground when I, when I shot. And I'm like, well, sounds like to me, maybe you shot him right in the shoulder. I'm like, but there, you know, there's no blood. And so we're, we're doing the circles, we're looking. And uh, my dad kind of called me over and he said, I think you missed this deer. And he said, I don't really want to tell him. <laughs> he said, D would you tell him? I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't want to break his heart either, you know? Yeah. And uh, so we meet back up in the field and my dad, you know, he's, he's saying, yeah, buddy, I think, I think that deer may have got away. And uh, I happened to look down and there's a pin drop size of blood beside my boot. And uh, I said, no, I said, you, you hit him. And uh, we looked down at this. Your dad's like, what are you doing? And so we find this pin drop and it, you know, my brother's I, you know, I told you I hit him and uh, we can kind of see from where the blood is. We know the direction my brother said he ran off in. We're kind of thinking, okay, he's probably ran between this area then. And, and we start tracking and we start finding more blood and um, we're like, okay, maybe this wasn't a bad hit. And we're, we're getting to places where we're finding puddles of blood and you can see where the deer has fallen down a few times. And um, we just keep thinking, okay, he's just gonna be up a little further, up a little further. And so we probably get a half a mile back and uh, the blood is, it's getting thinner. We had jumped a deer who took off up a mountain and we're thinking, oh, that's not good. If he's going uphill, we think yeah. this is the, this is the deer. So, um, Finally, I was like, you know what? I think we should probably just leave for a little bit. And uh, so we pull out, we marked our last blood where we had walked up to. And, and I'm still really excited about my deer, but I feel bad at this point. Yeah. You know, uh, I was hoping that we would find this deer and it, it would be just an awesome morning. And so we, we back out and we go back to deer camp. And I'm, I'm excited to show this deer off to, to these guys. And, uh, and it was a great time, but I still, I just felt bad. I could see my yeah. breath hoping hoping mm -hmm. we find this deer and uh so we're up there at, at the deer camp and our our buddy ronnie uh had met up with our our dad in town and um my dad had taken him out there to go look for the deer again and so he called us when we, he got out there and said you know we're back out here we're gonna go on down in uh you guys can come you know join us and so yeah. we're driving there and and i'm hoping our phone rings and uh, sure enough it does and my dad says, you know, we found him and we got him. Nice. And so we're high-fiving and, and we're all excited. And we, we get there finally and we walk down to the woods and find him. And they had actually found the deer 25 yards from where we stopped tracking. Um, but uh, my dad had walked up on it and thought it was dead. However, it jumped back up. And, uh, you know, and they said they emptied their guns. It was thick down there. <laughs> sure. You know, and uh, <laughs> classic, you know, the classic uh, rifle hunting, the stuff that yeah. bow hunters cringe at. But, <laughs> you know, they unloaded uh, it. And uh, we're just happy we found it. But we noticed that they never hit the deer again. Uh, the deer wasn't shot again. It just had lost so much blood. It finally had <laughs> collapsed. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> just like i give up <laughs> yeah you know like there was not another hole in that deer he had ended up he hit it low he shot it basically under the armpits through the brisket a little bit yeah. maybe flipped one lung 
and he did clip a lung on it. Um, and so <laughs> we're way back in there. Um, and we're thinking, man, you know, we've got to pull this deer out. There's some mountains here. And we're thinking, boy, this is going to be, be a haul. And as we're prepping for that, uh, the neighboring, uh, owner comes through on a full weller and, uh, He's like, did you, did you guys get that thing? And, uh, you know, we're laughing. You know, we got it. He was nice enough. He put it on his full weller. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and he drug it out for us, and we got to talk to him for a while. But, uh, man, it was just a, a memorable morning. My brother and I, we, we talk about it a lot. We both have a picture framed in both of our houses of, of us high-fiving each other. And uh, it was really cool. His buck was a little smaller than mine, but it was still a good – it was a three-and-a-half-year-old deer, um, which is also – it was great. And, uh, I remember I was telling him like, I'm going to go to the taxidermist, you know, like I may never kill anything bigger than this. And, uh, he was a a little bit discouraged that his deer wasn't quite as big. And he's like, I don't know if it's worth me getting mine done. Yeah. And I'm talking to him and and my dad's trying to talk him into it. of like, you know, this is a nice deer. And, uh, so he finally breaks down and, and we both take it to the taxidermist and, you know, we, we get them back and uh, they're actually hanging beside each other. Um, and so it was just a special morning. One we'll never forget. One that'll awesome. probably never be duplicated. Uh, but man, we're, we're blessed. Yeah, that's the picture right there. That's it. <laughs> nice bucks, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And so it was just, it was an absolute blast. And uh, we'll never forget that. Oh, man. That's awesome. It gets me fired up for the season. Some amazing stories, Brody. I really appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for uh, sharing your story, sharing your story and your testimony with us. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm excited that you're back in West Virginia, get to hunt those deer over there and have some fun this year. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for having me, uh, man, once again. And uh, just, once again, love this pro- podcast, love what you're doing with it. Uh, and, yeah, we're getting close now, you know. You know, it's coming. Mine is, it's coming. It's coming. It's so, coming. Well, I'd like to thank our listeners for listening to this uh, episode today. Really enjoyed having Brody on and um, I hope that wherever you are, that things are going well, that you're getting ready for the season. If you're already in it, I wish you good luck. Be safe. Remember, wear that safety harness. And until next week, I would encourage you to shed the light.